0: Only then, that which is nameless, comes into being.
1: This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti Podcast. The most creative energy has no identification. It comes with freedom, and that energy is creation. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is Energy. Upcoming themes are Mutation, Dependence and Pleasure. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers quiet retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in the light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit KrishnamurtiCenter.org.uk for more information. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. This week's episode on energy has six sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Madras, 1986, titled What is energy?
0: What is energy? This being one of the questions of the scientists. And they said energy is matter. Right? But, previous to that, what is energy? You understand? It may be matter, it may be every kind of thing, but what is energy, primordial energy? Who brought this energy about? Are you understanding what I am talking about? I am not sure. Because this has been a very, very serious question. So we are together going taking a long journey into this. Together, you and I are walking up the same street. You're not just following the speaker. You're not just yes. That sounds very good. So did the Upanishads and Gita and all that Billy had said. So, we'll understand. It isn't a bit like that. First of all, one has to have great doubt. Right? Great scepticism. Right, sir? No, don't agree, please, don't agree. You don't doubt anything, you accept everything. So doubt, scepticism of your own experience, of your own thoughts, of your own conclusions, doubting, questioning, not accepting a thing from any book, including my I am just a passerby, it is not important. And we are going to inquire together. It is very important, please. Together, you know what that means: cooperating together to build something, to inquire something, to see what is clear, what is doubtful, what is not clear. You are doing it, I'm the speaker has done this, but you have to do it. So we are together walking up a very long stream. You can make that stream a very, very, very strong current, it will wipe you away, throw you onto banks, or you can deal with it. So it requires your energy. Right? It requires your energy. So we are asking, what is energy? That crow calling is part of energy. Right? The trees, the birds, the stars, the moon, the rising of the sun, and the setting of the sun – it is all energy. Right? Probably you doubt it, but it doesn't matter. and whatever you speak requires energy the first cry of the baby out of the womb that cry is part of that energy right to play a violin to speak to marry sex everything on earth is requires energy right so we are inquiring together what is this energy? What is the origin? What is the source? How has it begun? Who created this energy? Please careful, don't say God and run away with that. I don't accept God. A speaker has no God. Is that all right? You accept that? <laughs> you will accept anything, so I don't <laughs> mind, I'll go so Please don't allow yourself to accept what the speaker is saying at any moment, in his books, in his talks, in his videos and all that all that business. So what is this energy? We cannot possibly exist without this energy. Right? There is no existence on earth without this energy, the trees. Tremendous energy to pull up water right to the top, tons of water, that is tremendous energy. To build an aeroplane, Hundreds of people are responsible for it, go to the moon and so on. So whatever we do or don't do is energy. Right? The dancer, the violinist, the painter, the house mother, the army general, everything requires energy. That is a fact, whether you accept it or not, it doesn't matter. And we are inquiring: what is that energy, the origin of it, not just energy, or accept what the scientists say, which is, energy is matter, and so on. I won't go into all that because the speaker has talked to many of them about this matter. And the religious people say, God, and that ends it. Or some guru says this, that also ends it. They don't inquire. they don't doubt, they don't question, they they don't have scepticism. Right? So here we are saying, if you can abandon all that, your books, what the Sanskrit Ancient people said, abandon all that and leave it at the roadside, and we will take a journey together. And you are going to something that requires all your energy, all your brain, which is matter, Which is the accumulated experience of million years. And all that evolution means energy. Right? So I'm saying to myself, I'm asking myself, you're asking for yourself. So I begin to ask myself, is there energy? which is not contained or stimulated or held within the field of knowledge. You understand? Within the field of knowledge. That is within the field of thought. Then this requires, please don't agree with it. I like to blind myself because you agree with every damn thing that is going on. So, I ask myself, is there an energy which is not put together, stimulated, arranged by thought? You understand? Thought gives you a great deal of energy, to go to the office every morning at nine o'clock or eight-thirty, thought makes you, gives you that energy. Right? I must earn more money, I have a better house. Right? Thought, thinking, gives you the energy. I believe it took two or three hundred people Or three thousand people to build a rocket that went to the moon. So, all that requires energy. To shake hands with you, to say hello, to recognize old friends sitting across there. I'm glad I've lit up all the place. We can see each other. So, I ask myself, I know thought, thinking, thinking about the past, thinking about the future, planning for the present, that gives a tremendous energy. Right? Right, sir? Thinking, I must build a house, so I go to the architect, I agree with you, and so on, so on. And you require a great deal of energy to be educated. Right? From ignorance, as they call it. I am not saying it is ignorance. From not knowing mathematics, you gradually learn and energy – college, university, and then you become some kind of something or other and you have a job, to that, every day of your life you go. Or you retire at an early age and die. So, thought – please understand this, very important if you will – thought creates this energy to build an aeroplane. Hmm? Think of what has gone into that hundreds of people have worked at it step by step by step, constructed it and they produced 747 or whatever it is, the most marvellous machine that can never go wrong or man can make it go wrong and so on and so on. So thought is an extraordinary instrument of creating  – energy right may i go on? right if one doesn't see that as an actual fact then you're off the mark right if you don't see it as an actual fact that thought creates tremendous energy you want to become a rich man, you work like blazes to work to get a rich man. Right? You want to do some kind of crazy propaganda and you work very hard. You join groups, sex, gurus and all the rest of that business. So thought, as an extraordinary instrument of engendering thought, right? Thought engendering energy.
1: The second extract is from the second question and answer meeting in Ohi, 1983, titled, How Do We Waste Energy?
0: should really inquire whether we waste how we waste our energy. Not all my energy is taken away through daily work, but we should inquire really how we waste our energy, whether it's possible to conserve energy. And use it when necessary, and retain it when it's not. Am am I making myself clear? How do we waste our energy? Please understand me. Not how to use energy, which requires, (coughs) which that energy, which demands inquiry and being unselfish and intelligence, but we'd rather let's inquire, approach this question from a different point of view, which is to find out how we waste energy. Right? Then it will be very clear. Do we waste energy by chattering, endless talk,  – Right? most of us do, endless talk. And is it a wastage of energy to be constantly in conflict, in the office, at home, and so on? Right? Is not conflict within oneself And outside, a wastage of energy. Not how to be free of conflict for the moment, but to observe how we waste our energy. Conflict, the concept or an illusion that we are individuals, and so. Fighting everybody, right? Against everybody, enclosing ourselves in a little neurotic state, building a wall around ourselves through fear and so on. That's also a great deal of wastage of energy, right? And to pursue an ideal. Is a wastage of energy,
1: right?
0: not the ending of a fact. I don't know if I make myself clear. I and mean, suppose one is violent, you pursue a non-violent, which is non-fact. The pursuit of non-violence is a wastage of energy. Whereas to understand the nature of violence, go into it deeply, the complexity of violence, and see if it is possible to end it, that is not wasting your energy. But to pursue a non-fact, which is the ideal, whether it is a political ideal or a Marxist ideal, communist ideal, is a wastage of energy. Th- isn't it a wastage of tremendous energy, building armaments against each other? No. I don't. If you have li- been listening to some of the television explanations of how Russia is building up its armament, and America, as you listen to it very carefully. It all seems so insane, so extraordinarily irrational. So one wonders if if one is going mad. Probably (coughs) most of the (coughs) people who are involved (coughs) in all this are rather neurotic in different ways. Probably most of us are. So, to find out for oneself how we waste our energy. And the greatest waste of energy is to be concerned with oneself. No? Because to be concerned with oneself, with one's neurotic state and not be unaware of it, to be concerned with one's own issues and one's own problems, one's own uh, achievements, is a very, very limited energy. It's very limited, and therefore your energy is limited. But when there is freedom from that, there is immense energy. But <coughs> to be free from that concern with oneself and with one's <coughs> hurts and, <coughs> and, in return, wanting to hurt others, <coughs> that concern, with oneself is bringing bringing a great chaos in the world. To seek one's own (coughs) enlightenment. Following your own particular little guru is such a wastage of energy. We'll talk about it more when we talk about meditation. So, is it possible not to waste energy along all these lines? And if you have that energy, what will you do with it? Will, you, will one become more mischievous, more violent, more beastly? So, in the con- conservation of energy, follow, which comes about by understanding the wastage of energy. The, conserving, the conser- conserving that energy, not that you conserve energy, when there is energy, is not wasted, there is energy. In the discovery how you waste your energy, there is the beginning of intelligence. Right? That energy, that intelligence is not wastage of energy. That intelligence is extraordinarily alive. One cannot possibly be intelligent if one is selfish. Right? Selfishness is part of division. Separation. I am selfish and you are selfish. In our relationship we are selfish. So to understand the nature of the wastage of energy, not only superficially, but very, very deeply, out of that, investigation, probing, questioning, one comes to a certain quality of energy which is the outcome of intelligence, not merely setting aside wastage of energy.
1: The third extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk at Brockwood Park in 1974, titled, An Energy That Resolves Our Problems.
0: So we are concerned, if we are not at all playing with things, with the transformation of the mind, with the content of our consciousness and find out if there is a different kind of energy, which will, if we can tap that energy, resolve our problems. That is the question which we are going to investigate together this morning. When we use the word investigate we mean that we share this problem together. It's your problem and we have to go into it, we have to find out, each one of us, not according to somebody else, not according to some authority or some psychologist or philosopher, find out for ourselves if there is a different kind of energy which might resolve our human problems. The traditional energy, the intellectual energy, which man has expanded throughout the centuries has in no way dissolved our problems. Right? That's clear. Now we are inquiring into the possibility if there is or if there is not a different kind of energy which is non contradictory in itself, which is not based on the activity of thoughts with its divisive energy, an energy which is not dependent on environment, on education, on cultural influence. I hope I am making myself clear. Please do give little attention to this. We are asking if there is a different activity, a different movement which is not dependent on self-centred activity, the activity and the energy that the self, the me, with all its contradiction creates, is there an energy which is not dependent on Environmental conditioning is there an energy which is not which has no which has no cause because cause implies time and that's what we are going to inquire. That is, the energy that man has expanded – intellectual, emotional, traditional energy and the self-centred energy – has not in any way solved our human problems, which are suffering, fear and all the pain that is involved in the pursuit of pleasure, and all the confusion created. By thought in its fragmentary activity, we are asking if there is energy and energy totally different. That is, we have only used a very small area of the brain, and that small area is controlled and shaped by thought. And thought intellectually, emotionally, physically has created a contradictory energy the me and the you, we and they, what we are and what we should be, the ideal, the perfect prototype and what is. I hope you are all following all this. You should, those of you who have heard the last few talks here, should be able I hope to follow this together. And I think it is very important to understand that we are working together. That I am not, the speaker is not telling you what to do. Because the speaker has no authority. Authority has been in spiritual matters very destructive. Because authority implies conformity, fear, obedience, following, acceptance. And when we are investigating together the implication in that is there is no sense of following, no sense of agreeing or denying, but merely observing. together we are doing this, therefore when we are together you and I disappear. When we are doing any work together the work is important, not you or I. And we are working together to find out if there is. Totally different kind of energy which is not based on a cause that divides the action of the present from the past. Now, this inquiry implies – or asking – whether there is an area in the brain which is not contaminated by thought, an area in the brain, or in the mind, which is not the product of evolution, an area of of that brain which man, throughout the centuries, has created a culture and. Is not touched by that culture. The inquiry into that is meditation. I hope you follow all this. You understand my question, my problem, our problem. From ancient of times we have used only one area of the brain, and a very small area, in which there has been conflict between the good and the bad – you can see that in all the paintings, in all the symbols, in all the activities of man – this conflict between the good and And the bad between what is and what should be, between what is and the ideal. That conflict, that area has produced a culture Christian, Hindu, Buddhist, and all the rest of it. And by that culture, our brain, that area. Small area is conditioned. Right? This is obvious. And can the mind free itself from that conditioning, from that limited area, and move into an area which is not the, is not Within the area of time, within the area of direction.
1: The fourth extract is from the seventh talk in Sanan 1975, titled Is There an Energy That Brings Unity?
0: So then, in meditation, because the body, the mind has become astonishingly sensitive, there's this, there's all this field of clairvoyance, right? Field of healing. Field of investigating into the occult things, hidden things, right? Unfortunately, it's becoming the fashion now to talk about the occult. The hidden, the mysterious, the uh, all that side. When the body is sensitive, mind is active, accurate, therefore all these things come about. But they are totally irrelevant. Because they are playthings. Please, uh, the speaker knows something of all this. And there is great danger in all that, unless you, are, unless you really want to pursue that like a toy with a child who has a toy. It has no value. Now, so we can proceed to inquire after clearing the ground. Accurately, with the question is there something, an energy which is totally different, not the opposite? Because the opposite of the energy of thought is still the, its own opposite, is still the movement of thought. Therefore, we are using purposely a word that is totally different. Now proceed. And also, there is this whole question brought over from India the energy which they think will come about through awakening the various centers in the body, which is called Kundalini. Have you heard about all this, Rabbit? It isn't rubbish if you know what it is. But as you don't know, you are playing with rubbish. Please forgive me if I talk frankly about all these nonsensical, unreal things, unless you have gone into it. You cannot go into it unless you have brought order in your life. They have brought this word called kundalini from India. It is now a fashionable thing to pursue. When it becomes common it has lost its reality, its worthwhileness. You understand? When everybody is trying to awaken their beastly little, what they call kundalini, <laughs> as, I mean, it becomes too damn silly. A truth, when made common, becomes vulgar and therefore no longer reality, no longer truth. Hmm? Now we can proceed. No action of will, therefore no action of deception, illusion, no attachment. To believe to dogmas, to rituals, to all the myths that man has put together through thought. Then what takes place to a mind that has done this? Not imagine it has done, actually has done. To such a mind, there is that quality of silence. A silence that is not... that is not between two noises. The silence that is not between two thoughts. Please watch it in yourself, you will see this. A silence that has not been put together by thought because it desires to be silent. Because there has been order in our daily life, because there has been no conflict as the will, there is no division. Politically, religiously, no practice, therefore, out of all that comes a natural intelligence, natural sensitivity, and therefore a mind that is astonishingly quiet. That is. A mind that has put a stop to time. Mind hasn't put it, but it has brought it has inevitably come about. That is, you understand what I'm saying? (coughs) Time is a movement of thought as measure. Time is thought. And thought. As measure is from here to there psychologically as well as physically, and when there is this movement of time as achievement, as experience, as gaining something, it is still the activity of thought, and therefore it is fragmentary, not whole. From that. When the mind is, has perceived the totality of thought, that is, the totality of the movement of thought, all its varieties, all its movements, all its subtleties, hidden and open, when the mind is totally aware of all that, then time to such a mind comes to an end. Therefore there is complete quietness. Right? So perception can only take place in silence – you you, You follow this? Please, Avanti, are we sharing this together or am I pursuing my own investigation? You understand? If you want to hear what the speaker is saying, you have to listen. You have to pay attention, if you want to listen. If you don't, well, that is quite a different matter. But if you want to listen, you have to pay attention. That means care. That means you have to listen. Listen without any prejudice, without any conclusion, comparing what you hear with what you already know – all those are, they inhibit, prevent listening. So when you want to listen you must be completely silent, naturally. When you want to see the mountain the flowing of the water in a river. There must be total observation, not the observer observing. Right? So there is this silence. And what is the unifying character? What is the unifying movement so that it brings about no division between man and man? Because that is a tremendously important question. You understand? When the world is divided, nation against nation, people against people, ideas against ideas, democracy, so-called democracy against autocracy, and so on. When there is this tremendous division taking place in mankind, in human beings, outwardly as well as inwardly, what is the unifying factor? If we, there is no unifying factor, we are going to destroy ourselves. Unifying factor being cooperation. You understand all this? So. What is that unifying factor in meditation? You because that's one of the most urgent, absolutely necessary. Politics and politicians are not going to bring this unity. However much they may talk about it. It has taken them thousands of years just to meet each other. You follow? at Bonn or Moscow or Washington or some other hideous place, thousands of years. Think of such a mentality that is going to bring unity to mankind. What is that fact? You understand? We are talking about a totally different kind of energy which is not the movement of thought with its own energy, and will that energy, which is not the energy of thought, bring about this unity? You understand? Are you interested in this? For God's sake! This is your problem, isn't it? Unity between you and your wife, unity between you and another. You see, we have tried to bring about this unity, thought has seized the necessity of this unity and therefore has created a centre. Like the sun is the centre of this universe, holding all things in that light, so this centre created by thought hopes to bring unity together, mankind together. Great warriors tried to do this, great conquerors, they did it through bloodshed. Religions have tried to do it, and those those religions who have tried to do it brought about more division with their cruelty, with their wars, with their torture. Science has inquired into this, and because science is knowledge, the accumulation of knowledge and the movement of knowledge, which is thought, being fragmentary cannot unify. You understand all this? So is there an energy which will bring about this unity, this unification of mankind. And we were saying, in meditation this energy comes about, because in that meditation there is no centre, the centre is created by thought. But something else totally different takes place. which is. compassion. That is the unifying factor of mankind. to be. not that you will become compassionate, that never is. which is again another deception but be compassionate that can only take place when there is no center the center being that which has been created by thought thought which hope by creating a center it can bring about unity like a federal government You follow? Like a dictatorship, like autocracy, all those are centers hoping to create unity. All those have failed. And they will inevitably fail. And there is only one factor, and that is this sense of great compassion. And that compassion comes when we understand the full width and depth of suffering. That's why we talked a great deal about suffering. suffering not only of a person, of a human being, the collective suffering of mankind. Mm? You understand, sirs? Don't understand it verbally or intellectually. But somewhere else in your heart, feel this thing. And as you are the world, and the world is you, if there is this birth of compassion, then you will inevitably bring about unity. You can't help it.
1: The fifth extract is from Krishnamurti's 8th talk in New Delhi, 1962, titled An Incorruptible Energy.
0: A mind has energy through resistance, through conflict, through contradiction. We all know that form of energy. But there is an energy which comes when there is no conflict of any kind and therefore completely incorruptible. I am going to explain presently. I mean by the mind the totality of consciousness and more. The brain is one thing, and the mind is another. The brain, which is the result of time, which is the result, which is sensation, which is which has accumulated knowledge through centuries of experience, that brain is conditioned, as also. The total consciousness is conditioned. These words, consciousness and conditioning, are very simple. What you are, the educated, the the unconscious, the accumulative mind, the accumulated consciousness of time, all that is consciousness, all that is you. What you think, what you feel, when you call yourself a Hindu, when you call yourself a Muslim or Christian, this or that. All this story about yourself is the total consciousness. Whether you think you are the Supreme Self or the greatest Atman or this or that, it's still within the field of consciousness, which is within the field of thought. And thought is conditioned. Now, in in that state of conditioned resistance to life, you do create energy. The more resistance and more conflict, the more res- energy you have of the most destructive, stupid kind, which is what is actually going on in the world. That energy dissipates itself, is always corrupting, always needs stimulation, always needs some form of attachment through which it can derive power, energy, growth. Please follow all this. Now when one realises that fact and sees that fact that our energy comes into being through resistance. And when you have understood the whole story of contradiction within yourself, then out of that seeing the fact there comes a different kind of energy. Now the energy of which I am talking about is not the energy preached by religion. Not the energy of the brahmachari, the bachelor who refuses sex because he wants to have the supreme experience. Because his whole process of living the sannyasi life or the monk life is a form of resistance. And that does give you energy. A very limited, narrow, destructive energy, which is what most religions offer. But what we are talking about is a totally different kind of energy. That energy is born out of freedom, not out of resistance, not out of self-denial not out of ideational pursuits and disciplines. If you understand all these which I have been talking about and face these facts, then out of that comes an energy which is incorruptible, because, you see, that energy is passion. Not the passion of sex or of identifying yourself with the country, with an idea. That gives you also a peculiar kind of energy, passion, which is destructive. Haven't you noticed how people who have identified themselves with their nation, with their country, with their job, they have peculiar energy as most politicians have, as most so-called missionaries, or those who have identified themselves with an idea, with a belief, with a dogma, as the Communists. They have peculiar energy, which is most destructive, but the energy, which is the most creative energy, has no identification. It it comes with freedom. And that energy is creation. You know, we have man throughout the ages has sought go- God. Either denied it or accepted it denied it as the atheist, or the communists, or you, the Hindu, who accept it, because you have been brought up in it, because you have been brought up in the belief you are no more religious than the man who is being been brought up in non-belief. We are all about the same. It suits you to believe in God, it doesn't suit him to believe in God. It's a matter of your education of your environmental cultural influence. But man has sought this thing throughout centuries. There is something immense, not measurable by man, not by a mind that is caught in resistance, not caught caught in Ambition, envy, greed. Such a mind can never understand this energy. There is this energy which is completely incorruptible. It can live in this world, function. Every day it can function in your office, in your family. Because that energy is love, not the love of your wife and children, which is not love at all, because that creation, that energy is destructive. Look what you have done to find that energy. You have destroyed, you have destroyed everything around you, psychologically, inwardly you have completely broken down, everything that society, religion, politicians have built. So that energy is death. Death is completely destructive, and that energy is love, and therefore love is destructive. Not the tame thing which the family has made of it. Not the tame thing which religions have nurtured. So, that energy is creation. Not the thing that you write a poem or put in a marble. That is merely capacity or a gift to express something which you feel. But the thing we are talking about is beyond all feeling, beyond all thought, and a mind that does not find it, a mind that hasn't completely freed itself from society, psychologically, society being ambition, envy, greed, acquisitiveness, power. Do what it will, it will never find that. And we must find it, because that is the only salvation for man, because in that only there is real action, and that is that itself, when it acts, is action.
1: The final extract in this episode is from a direct recording by Krishnamurti in 1984, titled, Silence Builds Up Great Energy.
0: There was a naval centre there, missiles and all the rest of modern means of killing humanity. And you went along, and turned to the right left lift the sea behind, and came through after the oil wells, further deeper in, away from the sea, through orange groves, past a golf course, through a small village, and a road winding through orange, Orchards and the air was filled with the perfume of orange blossom. And all the leaves of the trees were shining, and the far hills high up to 6,500 feet. And there seemed be such peace in this valley. so quiet, away from all crowds and noise and the vulgarity, this land is a beautiful co- land, so, so vast, deserts, high snow capped mountains, villages. Great towns and still greater rivers. The land is a marvellous, marvellously beautiful. Vast, all-inclusive. And we came to this house. Which is still more quiet and beautiful perhaps recently built, the cleanliness that houses in towns don't have. There are lots of flowers, roses, and so on. A place to be quiet, not just vegetate, but to be really deeply inwardly quiet. Silence is a great is a great benediction. It cleanses the brain, gives vitality to it, and this silence builds up great energy. Not the energy of thought or the energy of machines, but that unpolluted, untouched energy by thought it is the energy that has incalculable capacity, skill. This is a a place where the brain, being very active, can be silent. That very intense activity of of the brain has the quality and the depth and the beauty of silence.